Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is an intentionally inclusive hub of sex-positive resources. And um, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, then you know that that means we interview a lot of people who are living with herpes and HIV about their experiences in dating, relationships, navigating disclosures, rejections, and how they were able to reclaim their true personalities that the stigma took away from them initially from their diagnosis. We also interview sex educators as well as sexual wellness organizations so that we have a place for people to get free and affordable resources such as condoms and other barriers, birth control, STI testing, STI treatment, and additional sex education resources. I want to thank Dating Positives for their continued support of the podcast, helping us be able to record one episode of this podcast per week. If you haven't already created a profile, please hop on there, check it out if you're someone who is looking to date, but you haven't gotten past that point of being afraid of disclosing, then this is an option for you to begin. And it's an option, it's not the option, so please know that you have a choice, um, as an alternative to putting yourself out there in the real world and uh, having to deal with that fear of disclosure and potential rejection. So hop on there and begin engaging in conversations. And if you're looking to date, just whatever you do, please be clear about your intentions. And this podcast episode is actually very useful for that. I talked to Christy Federico, who is a dating and relationships and sexuality coach, and she gives us some really great dating advice. And we talk about self-worth and self-awareness and how important it is for you to be aware of what it is that you want when you're seeking a relationship with a prospective partner or even when you're on dating apps. So this is a great episode. If you're somewhere where you can sit down and take notes, I highly encourage it. Um, Otherwise, you know, you can just sit and enjoy this one. I had to cut out a lot of our laughter. We had a really, really good time recording this podcast and um, I wanted to make it an easy listen, but you can tell just from what's left in here that Chrissy's energy is just amazing. And if you want to connect with her, just Hop on Instagram, follow her on Instagram. It's Christy Federico, linked in the show notes. And um, I hope you really enjoy this episode. If you do, please like, rate, review, and share this podcast. All of those engagements with the podcast are useful in helping us grow and get promoted by the podcast players so that we can begin to become popular to sponsors so we can get donors so that we can have donations to help people through uh, the nonprofit portion of what we're doing here to get therapy and connected to support groups and communities and help me begin to really just expand something positive for positive people so that we can end the stigma and allow for people to be more prepared for when a partner discloses to them and for people to be more prepared for if and when they are, in fact, uh, exposed to an SCI. So that's what we're working on. And if you want to donate to the podcast, if you want to donate to the cause, go to www.spfpp.org. And it's very easy. I've linked it to Venmo and PayPal. So if you want to donate, please do. And um, just help us continue to do what we're doing here. Enjoy this episode with Christy Federico. I really want to talk to you about dating. You're a dating coach, and you date. About dating. Oh, man. I feel like dating for you wouldn't even be fun because as a dating coach, you know what to look for. You know what doesn't go well. Like, I think you would identify the toxic stuff 
and avoid it altogether. But then at the same time, some of that is confusing with the fun stuff. What's healthy to a person could be perceived as boring. Would you kind of agree with that? Yeah. A lot of people perceive like someone being nice or like caring, be like, oh, I don't want that when like rationally they do. But yeah, they see it as that's not exciting. Do they run from it or what? A lot of people run from it. I saw this uh, diagram, and I'm probably going to butcher it. There were four circles, and it was a cycle of dating or something. And Uh it was running to what's secure and stable, getting bored, and then ending that and running to the fun or exciting things, and then getting hurt and then running back to that stability slash boring relationship type thing that seems to be a consistent pattern with a lot of people i know who have relationship problems they'll be in a healthy relationship and then they'll just be bored i guess and respond to that in a negative way is that consistent with what you see what i see more often is people not even giving that sort of situation a chance if they're not strongly attracted to someone if there's not something about it that's really exciting to them they will like kind of write it off or they'll give it like one or two dates and be like, no, this isn't for me. <laughs> like the chemistry isn't there. I, that's a common statement. Is that yeah. what it is? And I can relate because I used to be like that too. Like I used to think that there had to be such a strong chemical reaction and connection right away. If I wasn't like up at night going crazy thinking about this person and wanting to jump their bones right away. Like, that's not right. I can't possibly end up with that person because I do know that sex and passion and chemistry is important in a relationship, but I didn't know those are things that can grow over time and should. It shouldn't even be super intense at first because that can fizzle right away and the chemicals in our brain kind of We're going crazy that we're not able to really think rationally about if this person could be a really good long-term partner. And we're so focused on the external stuff and the chemistry and the sex or passion, whatever. And we're not doing the deep dive and really like assessing the important things. And like if we're in alignment with our vision for our life and our values and all that. Yeah, I find that that chemistry that makes them go crazy, it's not consistent with what it should be, um, in my opinion, and you can tell me if you agree or disagree with this, but I think that the person or people who we spend the most of our time with, who we invest the most energy in, should be people that support us and give us permission to be ourselves, whereas that chemical reaction that we have to a person, wanting more of them, makes us a person that we're not like we're willing to be whatever we need to be in order to be around that person yeah i agree with that i think a lot of the time it's like oh my gosh i'm addicted to this person i want them so badly that i will compromise things about myself to get this person i have so many friends who are like this how do i help them Like, oh shit, that's me. Like, that's not good. Like, why is that not good? And then 
we have that awareness, we learn about why, you know, like the media and our family often shows us or sent those messages that that is how it's supposed to be or that's how relationships are. And then we seek that and we've witnessed that in our lives enough to think that that's, that's healthy or different messages like love is chaotic or just normal. Once we have that awareness, then we can go deeper into our patterns. Where did this messaging come from? Why do I have it? And what does it look like? Like, how does someone who can form healthy attachments and and be in healthy partnerships, how did those relationships start? And what was different about them? And really, that's just where the work is. It's building a high self-worth and the confidence and really understanding who you are and what you want in a partner and in your life. And when you're strong with all of that, you know where to not budge. And you know, like, if this person is making me feel like I have to be something different or, like, I'm going crazy, like, wanting to be accepted by this person, you now know, like, oh, wait, this isn't right. (laughs) Yeah. Do I have your consent to record this podcast? Yes. We've been recording this whole time. I was doing a test to make sure that we sounded okay and looked up and it was 13 minutes. You know, it's funny because as, we as we were talking, I was like, this is good and I'm feeling comfortable. Like, I really hope he is recording this. I had to address that because it's like, I, I think that we're, this was very unexpected for us to go here. Like now, at least, especially at the flow yeah. that we're in. So um, we can definitely continue. But anything that you say that you don't like, we can cut out. But so far, it's really good. I hope we can keep all of it, even this part. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm happy with it. Okay, cool. That chemical reaction, that response to chemistry, and what's on my mind the heaviest right now is helping the people who are um, diagnosed with herpes and in a relationship, and they feel the need to stay in that relationship as a result of x they won't say specifically what it is but ultimately like this is one of the reasons that they're in a relationship is because this is a person that um accepts my diagnosis they accept me for my diagnosis and i use air quotes when i say accept me for my diagnosis and um they won't they won't really get to the real problem and there are times where people are dating and they're like oh i just love this person they're so awesome and i'm like uh Think about this. Let's be rational. What what about this person is it? And then I hear from people a little bit later and they're just like, my heart's broken. Or they're like trying to force something to work that just isn't there. And so having a dating and relationship coach and sexuality coach here right now is definitely something like, I, I feel like you're the friend that they need while I can rationally look and be like, this is what you need to do. Saying it as a friend doesn't have near the impact of what it would have from someone who's experienced in this space. So help me, please help me help them. I really want to send this episode specifically to a handful of people. I love it. So let me make sure I understand you correctly. It's people staying in a situation because they feel like this person already accepts me. And the story that they're telling themselves is maybe, like, I'm not worthy of love. So this person already accepts me. No one else is going to. Let me just stay in here because I don't have to worry about getting hurt. Yeah, so part one of this, let's say um, I meet a lot of people who are like, 
oh my God, I just got diagnosed. I'm never going to date again. No one's ever going to love me. So that feeling of unworthiness is right there on the surface. Unchecked, it triggers a subconscious response of seeking acceptance from anyone that produces even a hint of that um, the chemistry. Let's start with addressing the feeling of unworthiness. We're specifically talking to that person who is newly diagnosed and thinks that no one's going to want to be with them. And this is someone who is just looking and hoping to find anyone who's going to be accepting of them. How do we get them to a healthy place of being able to make healthy decisions in terms of seeking a partner? And this is something I've been thinking about as I was preparing for this podcast. I was thinking about my own diagnosis and how I was so lucky to have done so much personal development work and gotten to a place of a pretty high self-worth already where I didn't have to feel like my fall was like definitely not as hard as a lot of people who haven't done that work already and are diagnosed. Um, did I have an initial who's going to love me moment? Of course. <laughs> yeah. Which is common, but, um, I was able to get back up really quickly. And, and I definitely attribute that to all the therapy and, you know, self-worth work that I had done already. So, I'm trying to think of, like, where to start with someone who... Can we start there? What were you diagnosed with? I was diagnosed with HSV2. And, yeah, I was dating someone who I wasn't in a monogamous relationship with but really cared for. And it was still, like, an important partnership for me in my life. And something I knew should have ended a long time before the diagnosis. But... You know, there are plenty of my own issues involved in there, my own stuff of wanting to ch- wanting someone to change for me and um, all that good stuff. But, yeah, I remember saying to this person, because he didn't know that he was diagnosed, he got tested frequently, but um, it's not, HSP isn't something that's routinely tested, like in the, in the routine, um, like STI and STD testings, you need to ask specifically for it. And some, a lot of clinics don't even, um, test if you don't have symptoms, which neither of us did. Um, so yeah, I had this moment where after we had a couple of conversations about it, I was like telling him just my frustrations and my pain of like how, I was, I was like, it's hard enough to find someone who I'm attracted to and who can understand me and who I can see a future with, let alone now, like, who's going to accept me with this, you know, this thing that makes me so flawed. And um, so I definitely had that moment, but um, thankfully it didn't last you know, my low didn't last too long. And I was, I definitely disassociated for a little bit because I wasn't planning on dating again for a while. I was focusing on my business. And so that allowed me to not really like deal much with my feelings a bit. Um, for a couple of weeks I did, and then I kind of pushed it aside because it just wasn't uh, something I needed to think about. Um, and then I, I just didn't, I had done enough of the self-worth stuff and work and in therapy and in my own life. And here I am helping women and men increase their confidence and self-worth too. And just 
gets, you know, you get to a point where you realize that this is not, um, it's not anything about me. It's not a big deal. Um, my worth and my value as a person has nothing to do with this. And I, it affected how I started dating too, because I had to disclose pretty early on and, and that allowed me to be connected to people who were just more evolved and more sensitive. And um, thankfully, I had good experiences with that. But I do attribute that also to a high sense of self-worth and being able to filter out a lot of people who I um, just wasn't in alignment with, who would, who I, like the people I was going on dates with, I knew wouldn't be people who would find an issue with um, me having an STI. Um, and that's a lot of what I see with people and clients who they're dating, who they're going on dates with and swiping right to. I'm like, do you think that that's someone that you really are in alignment with or that will really treat you well? And, um, it's all in how you filter out those people and who you, who you come into contact with and let into your world. Does that even make sense? Yes. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to keep going. I was just sitting there quiet like, oh, shit, she's going to do this. She's doing it. She's doing it. Thank you for sharing that, though. I didn't really expect us to talk about that, to be honest. Um, but I'm glad that you shared that. I really do appreciate it, especially for um, the listeners and the audience here, because a lot of it after a diagnosis is that we feel we can feel isolated. We can feel alone. We can feel like the closest friends that we have are going to also be just the people who are open about their status. Like we're more connected to strangers who have an SCI than we are the people who are in arm's length, a phone call distance or a drive away often just because of the shame that we feel here. And so dealing with those feelings of negative self-worth, and the negative self-talk. It's important to address those things early, but not everyone's at a place to deal with it. So um, I'm so adamant about making this podcast a platform where there are so many different ways of dealing with that issue that if you stumble across this and you're listening like a quarter of the way through one of these episodes that eventually you're going to find and come across something that is going to be helpful to you and for this you know like I you said you did a lot of the work beforehand and I'm hoping that with the rebranding of the podcast we're able to get this in front of people as a means of um, preparing for an SCI diagnosis or preparing for someone to disclose to them so just that they're a little bit more empathetic and understanding and educated so that this removes some of the burden off of the people who are disclosing so you mentioned you did a lot of self-worth I keep wanting to say wealth work and all that you did lots of self-worth stuff prior to your diagnosis what was some of that you mentioned going to therapy what else it really was because I felt really held back in my life for a long time with my self-expression and I guess it was a lack of confidence and 
realizing that there was so much more of myself that I wanted to let out. And by taking the steps and challenging my fears to really just get more out of my shell and do the things that I really wanted to do but felt I couldn't, that just instilled such a new confidence in myself. And that is also what I think is just a huge part of coaching and the work I do with my clients is really the taking action in order to gain the confidence and self-worth. It's like we figure out what it looks like on the other side. Like what does someone with a high confidence and high self-worth do, look, think, feel? What steps can you take to get to become that person ultimately? Little by little when you take those steps, each new step and each time you conquer a challenge or a fear, is gaining your confidence and being like, damn, I'm really good. <laughs> like I can do this and, and you don't doubt yourself as much. And that's gradually how your self-worth grows too. And you start to think like you're a fucking badass and someone doesn't think that you're a fucking badass and they're not your people. You just start to think about yourself differently in that way. So there are things for me personally, like, I became the president of my counseling honor society where I knew I would have to hold meetings and talk in front of people, which was a fear of mine, and make speeches. I joined a funk band as a backup singer for a bit, and that was really hard for me because I didn't want my voice to be heard for so long. Like, I denied singing lessons for years as a child because I was like, no, I can't have people listen to me. Um, But ultimately, I was like no, I want people to hear me. I don't want to have to sit in the background all the time. Um, I want to face these fears. And so I, you know, I took these steps in my life and these opportunities and, and gradually just stepped into my power. And what's important here is that your problem areas, your fears, everything that was uh, inhibiting you, you decided I'm not being loud enough. So I'm going to go do something that makes me be loud to help you push past those inhibitions so that you can expand yourself. Those obstacles that you consciously put into your face and then began to explore and began to conquer, that's where your growth came from. It's just like video games. When you beat the bad guy, you take their power and then you go on to the next bad guy. Yeah, totally. It was definitely like a video game of getting to new levels and taking your power back until there's nowhere left. You know, like no one can bring you down. Mm-mm. No we one. Very can. hard to. We work very hard to at least. Yeah. Going back to dating. As someone who's a relationships coach, a dating coach, sexuality coach, how's dating for you? Dating within the past couple of years has been totally different from my previous dating experiences. And just like we're talking about all this self-worth stuff, it's 100% because of that. It's because I am so clear on the type of partnership that I want, the type of partner I want, the vision of my life and how I want it to look. And I have my own personal goals, like professional goals. And I know how someone could fit in with that and the lifestyle that I want. And if someone doesn't fit in all these things, it's very easy to tell. And I know the right questions to ask now to make sure that someone is in alignment with all this. And of course, when it comes to the qualities in a partner too, and and our values, those are of course important to ask up front too, and really just assess if people I'm dating or swiping right to, they possess these qualities. But it's really all in knowing what you want first, that awareness, and then being able to filter out very easily what isn't that and not giving people 
chants who clearly are just not in alignment there's like a fine line of like okay let's just let's see this person because you can sometimes only tell so much from a profile but things that are helpful for me are making sure that they fill out their dating profile with some information if they're not filling out and answering the questions I don't get the impression that they're taking it very seriously and I can't tell that very much about them so that's big for me and for me personally, spirituality is really important. So if I can assess that they're interested in spirituality and they're a more evolved person and that they're a very kind-hearted, genuine person, those are cues that I look for in their profile too. And they have really never failed me. Like the guys that I've been connected with, especially in California, where spirituality seems to be a very important thing for a lot of people here, which is part of what drew me here. I've just come across with really beautiful men who are doing the work and gone to therapy and they see sexuality as important and and sex as medicine and all just all different things where they just have a certain maturity and different goals for their life than someone who really isn't at that point and who hasn't done that work so it's a lot of assessing if people that I want to go on dates with have those qualities and if they're in alignment with where I'm at yeah so it's been pretty lately <laughs> mm-hmm we are attracted to what we're attracted to. So I'm on Tinder, Bumble. I'm swiping right on every woman that I believe is attractive. I'm not looking at any of those things. I'm just hoping for matches at this point. Physically attractive. There you go. So just physical attraction. Like if I get a, a uh, in my body and I see that person, I get that mm, in my body and I want to move forward. How do we go from that to, because I mean, that's naturally what we're going to do. You know, we see someone, it's more often than not, especially in the world of dating where we're on dating apps and things like that. And we can just see a person first and then get to know them. Um, you can't get to know somebody in the however many characters there are in the profile. So you reach out to this person you find physically attractive. How do you begin to get to know whether or not they do align with your values? So if you can't tell from what they've written in their profile already, and you're just going off of a couple of hot pictures, then you can ask. Although, I don't know if I'd say it's a red flag, but it's like a minor red flag if, like I said, if they have not filled out anything. Um, and you're looking for a serious long-term relationship. Um, but I like how you worded that. That you ask. Um, and I'll, I'll share an example of the person that I'm dating now. Um, he asked me, how important is spirituality in your life? And so clearly it was like, okay, spirituality is very important to this person, which I could already tell from his profile, thankfully. But yeah, if you're not sure, you have to ask a question that's going to provide you with the information that you need to know is something that's really important to you and important to this person as well. And take it from there. But again, you need that awareness first. What are you looking for? What's important to you? What are your values? And then how can you ask and find out if this person is in alignment? Mm -hmm. That work to get to that place of awareness is really challenging. It's challenging to get to a place where you can observe your behaviors in the moment and be like, damn, I'm doing that thing that I know isn't good for me, such as being attracted to or entertaining someone that you know is not 
in alignment with you. I don't want to say they're not good for you or they're bad for you, but they're just not in alignment with who you are and your life intentions or your bigger picture at all. I think that's a good way of putting it. Like if this person fits into your bigger picture, do your bigger pictures look similar? Do they mold together? Yay, nay. Everyone deserves a chance for sure. Um, but when they, when people begin to show you that they don't align with your own personal values, then you don't have to necessarily cut them off, but you have to be mindful of how much investment of energy you put into those people, those situations. Totally. And that reminds me too of you're just talking about not cutting people off. I think it's always great to go into situations when you're going on new dates with new people is to not have to be so serious with it, thinking like, am I going to marry this person? You don't you can have other types of relationships with someone. You can become friends with them or you just never know the kind of connection that it could grow into in other ways other than romantically or sexually so I think that's important to keep in mind too you have to be mindful that you're not going to hang around to try to change someone too um so you do have to be mindful of not staying in a situation for too long and cutting it off when you are sure that you're not going to get the relationship that you you know you are hoping for it's 2019 and our next partner is like a thumb swipe away. So if we're not getting what we want from this person right here, right now, then on to the next, right? No. I mean, it's a fine line because we were talking earlier about like a strong connection right away in the chemistry. Um, and for me personally, the last few people I've dated, the connection grew really slowly. And so... If you had asked me on the first date if I if I thought that it would become what it became or is becoming, I would have been like, hell no, like let's, you know, I think there are some people who would have written it off right away. And I know from my experience with clients, a lot of people want to write things off right away if there's not that intense connection or chemistry or physical attraction. So it's just a lot of assessing in all different kinds of ways. It's like a balance of giving a chance, but also not being too hopeful for the wrong things or, you know, wanting to change someone, all different things that I just addressed. So yeah, it's hard, man. Going from being attracted to just what we're naturally attracted to, to suddenly caring about people who also care about the things that we care about. We know how important that is, or maybe we don't. Let me not try and dismiss that try and meet people who are interested in things that you're interested in if you're struggling with just dating people um who are around you or who are just on the dating apps you know find the things that you like to do go and do them you'll meet people and just naturally experience a connection with the people who are also into those things and then becoming attracted to a person based on behavior and being rather than what they have coming from that it requires awareness that there's more than that there is the spirituality element. There's how do they treat other people. There's how do they carry themselves in social settings. There are all these kinds of different things that we can look for that we just completely can dismiss when those chemicals get to going all wacky in our brain. We don't necessarily have to train ourselves to like those things, but we can train ourselves to notice and look for those things. And those are the things that grow into that chemistry and connection that we want to be there right away completely i mean i used to be that person who thought that we needed that intense physical connection right away and i did have to actively start 
choosing like, okay, this is someone who has the nice, beautiful qualities that I really want in a loving partner. And let me choose myself this time and let me stay in this situation and ride it out because I now know that I'm worthy of love and all those good things and being treated really, really well because I have allowed myself to stay in these situations. Seeing more and more of these people and how just amazing they are and how well they treat me and how they treat other people and just more of who they are as beautiful people in this world. The attraction and the chemistry has grown so, so much. I love being able to share that with clients because so many people don't believe it. I'm just like, no, trust me. Like it's happened. It's happened. And it's happened to so many other people too. You just have to give it a chance and really get to know people and choose yourself and really get to a point where you believe that you are worthy of that love and being treated really well. And it'll happen. But those things, just like you were saying, is being able to see these people and get to know how they do treat other people and what those other really great qualities are in them. And when you see people in that light, then the attraction can really grow and the connection can really deepen. I don't remember the name of the chemicals, but there was one that you get right away. And then there's one that's more long-term and healthy. Maybe it was dopamine versus serotonin. Ah, but... We want that. We want to strive for those long-term, consistent hits of serotonin. That's what we should strive for. If this person doesn't give instant hits right now that are intense versus long-term, it's more of like a slow release of the positive emotions versus the quick, heavy, and intense ones that you kind of crash from and then you suffer from withdrawal symptoms and shit. Like, love is a drug. Yeah. It's like simple carbs versus complex carbs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was good. That was good. So yeah, those simple carbs taste good as fuck, like right now. But then those complex ones are, wait. Take some time and digest. They yeah. give you energy over time. There you go. There you go. And that's, that, that's what we need to look for. We need sweet potatoes, not white potatoes. <laughs> oh, I love our conversations. on that last podcast you said you weren't all the way straight what's that mean that's something that we haven't covered like i've never had anyone come on and who's had the experience of saying i don't necessarily fall into that queer category but isn't necessary because yeah sorry i didn't mean to cut you off oh no no i was just saying i never had any guests who identified as not necessarily queer there's so many labels and categories for people to be in that when they don't necessarily feel like they belong to a category, they can tend to feel isolated. But you know what? I'm glad you're bringing this up because I have like a love-hate relationship with labels. I think I just, I don't like labels for myself in general in any part of my life. Even when people ask like, what's your favorite, whatever. I don't like sharing because then I get put into a box and I have a lot of interests and I'm just like no I'm not gonna tell you I can see someone asking you what's your favorite hip-hop song and you go like pop that by French Montana Drake and Lil Wayne and then they look at you and go oh she ratchet (laughs) (laughs) that would be the label that you would get so I I understand I understand what you mean yeah I'm just stubborn in that sense and I'm just like I just flat out don't want to be put in a box um no matter what it's about and so that's not necessarily why I identified as straight for years because I'm not sexually attracted to women. At least I wasn't or I didn't know for a while. I'm not interested in 
performing sexual acts with him. But in my later years, as I took more of a deep dive into my sexuality and understanding it, and had experiences with women of just exchanging sexual energy and thinking more about like my attraction to them and different things. I think it's if I can exchange sexual energy with a woman, even if I don't necessarily want to do anything sexual with her, I don't think it's totally honest to myself personally to say that I'm 100% heterosexual. To me, that doesn't feel right or authentic for whatever reason. So it was only not even a year ago that I decided fuck, I'm not going to use that label anymore because it doesn't really feel right. But I also don't identify with queer or any other label. Like, they just, for whatever reason, don't resonate with me. And I'm also, like I said, stubborn. And I'm like, I don't need to have a label if I don't want one. And so that's something that I help clients with, too, is some people identify with a label just because they don't know what else to call themselves or they don't know where else to put them. And... That kind of broke my heart to hear that from some people because in certain situations, it was like they were calling themselves a certain label for other people to understand them or for other people to feel comfortable. And it wasn't about them feeling comfortable in that space. It was putting themselves in that space for other people. And I'm very much against that. Instead, would help clients explain, like, I'm not sure. I kind of like this, but I also like this. And so that's why I say that I'm this or whatever. Just help them come up with a phrase or like a way of saying it comfortably that just feels right to them, whether it's a new label or like one word or like I just said, a paragraph or a phrase or a sentence. Because a lot of people are just under the impression that they have to have this label. And some people feel pressured to put themselves in a box. And I'm so much just like, you have the power to present yourself to the world whatever way you want. And so let's unwrap this and see what's right for you and how you want to communicate this to the world, if at all. Because you also don't need to explain yourself to anyone. And that's another thing that I help clients with. Labels shouldn't be descriptions of who we are. Because one, we change. You know, and two, we're expressive in our own ways and it depends on the situation and all that kind of stuff. I believe that labels have their place for communicating actions or behaviors, really. I always use the example of dancing. Like, oh, you dance, I dance, we dance. That's something that everyone, everyone, it's clear on what it means to dance. Music comes on, we move, or if there's no music at all, we just move, we move to our own melody. So it's just best to be able to use the actions the behaviors and give those labels rather than saying you know what i am this label in a lot of cases i was thinking just how also besides my own personal lack of a label i just think that if there was no conditioning whatsoever in society we would all be just somewhere along a spectrum from heterosexual to homosexual I like that you talked about labels. I like that you talk about it's okay not to have a label. Being is enough. You don't have to identify with a label because you're getting pressure from the world around you to have that label. Like, no, you're, you belong to us. You know, when you begin to attach yourself and um, have attachments to being something that you have to really go out of your way to be or uphold or maintain this image for other people to continue to see you as whatever that label is. You put a lot of unnecessary pressure on yourself. There's no need to do that. Just be. You're enough. You're more than enough. We're here to explore, experience, and express. 
continue to do that, label or no label. I love that. That's 100% my philosophy, and that's the most important thing that I do with my clients and just my overall theme and everything I do in my work is helping them be their most authentic expressed selves with how they represent themselves and present themselves to the world through anything from how they verbally communicate to what they wear and making sure that it's all just true to who they are. And they definitely, we all are enough. So just really working to prove that and then showing it off to the world. Absolutely. Chrissy, how can people find you? My main social media platform is Instagram. So I can be found at Christy Federico and then on my website at ChristyFederico.com. What should people contact you for? So I'm Christy and I am a relationship and sexual empowerment coach. And I help primarily women um, feel confident and comfortable in their bodies, their sexualities, and their entire lives. So My work is very holistic, and although a lot of what I talk about in my content is based around sexuality, I really help people just feel their most confident and fully expressed in every single area of their life and make sure that they're fulfilled all around. So it's not just around relationships or sexuality, because I see everything as connected. Damn, that was good. We good. Yes, it is. Trust me. Yeah. That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. If you like it, please like, rate, share, review this podcast so that you can help us get more exposure so that we can continue to do what it is that we say we're going to do, which is help people get the support that they need in order to begin to advocate for themselves and uplift and encourage use of all the sex-positive resources that are out there and just create a safer space for people who are living with SCIs to be able to comfortably disclose and for people who are uh, newly diagnosed to be able to have access to these resources and the education beforehand so that they're better equipped to deal with the positive diagnosis. Thank you to Christy Federico for being on this podcast. She was such an amazing guest. And like I said, we had so many laughs uh, that didn't make it on this podcast. And she's a great person and great to connect with. I look at her like a, a mirror image of me in terms of personality and just where she is right now. So um, Christy, if you hear this, I wish you much success. And if you're someone who could use a dating and relationships and sexuality coach, I strongly encourage you to contact her and check her out for yourself. And if you like her and you want to do business with her, I strongly encourage it. Till next time, stay sex positive.